The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. The Bear of Texas, and this is Into the Net FC. I am proud to welcome back another unique soccer genius, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rod Angeles. Rod, welcome back, brother. Thank you very much for having me back again. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure, and and you know, and I'm really just dying to have both you and Steve on the same show, and, you know, I know that it's going to happen, and, uh, and you know... Uh, <laughs> It's just good to have, you know, passionate guys on the show. And, you know, and you're just another one of those unique individuals. I mean, much like Steve, you're a certified grade-A soccer genius. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the dire situation in our case involves Manchester United because we went from pulling, from going down 2 nothing against Atalanta to being absolutely decimated at home against Liverpool. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. And you know what? Okay, so let's rewind that back. So, Atlanta was really good. Uh, they came back. Uh, and then Leicester City uh, happened. We saw what happened there. We, we, it was a good fight. You know, I thought it was a good fight. You know, even though they didn't uh, come out with the points in the end, it was a good fight. You saw a lot of spirit. So, I'm like, okay, there's spirit in the locker room. Uh, Post goals kind of went on TV for Scott, and he said that, and he said prior to Liverpool, he said, if if Solskjaer puts the same uh, formation, the same tactics, the same uh, the same plan, we're gonna get buried. And he was right. He was on point. There were a lot of United fans was against Paul saying those words prior to the to the match, but. You clearly see what happened. Um, Klopp knew what he was going to do. There was no change. And from Atlanta to Leicester City, you see the same tactics. Again, like I said when I was here prior to the podcast uh, before, I always compare Solskjaer to a basketball coach. He's there to manage. He's there to manage stars that you that should be in that good level. You know, but other than that, and I said this too also on social media that everywhere, even from my Twitter handle to Facebook, some people I responded to uh, in Twitter saying that I think this is the peak of, uh, of Ollie. I mean, nothing against Ollie, but I think this is his peak. 
This is where he he can go. Uh, there's guys who can build and create, but can never take it to the next level. And I think this is where he is at now. I, I agree. I think he's basically hit the peak. And it's a shame, too, because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I respect him. And I'll never forget 1999. But he did his best. I mean, there's no... we're not. I'm not going to deny the fact that he did his best and ultimately... Th- Things you know just you know got stale and you know he he went into a to a desperate mode and he tried his best and things just did not work. It's not that players hate him or like like they they obviously no are no longer. I don't want to say they don't they don't trust him, but they still trust him, but don't trust him. Like they're like they still respect him, but like this is like look, dude, we just need another we need another guy. That's it. But you know and, and you know of course some <laughs> some member of Cowboy Nation. Decided to compare Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to Jason Garrett. I'm like, okay, this is one reason why the Cowboys Nation is a freaking laughing stock. Guys, don't you can't. Okay, first of all, comparing a soccer manager to an NFL coach is don't because it, it, it's not even close. Ole Gunnar yeah. Solskjaer actually took Manchester United to a championship final. <laughs> Jason Garrett never took the Cowboys really anywhere. Yeah. So and that's why I, I think it's easier to compare those guys to basketball coaches. Yeah, that's why I always compare them yeah. because they're more of a player run, uh, you know, sport, you know, and, and American football, it's not, it's, you got to have a complete team mm-hmm. with football. You can, well, European football or world football, uh, you can get away with sometimes like look at Pochettino. He's going to ride that PSG bus. You know, he's going to rely on all those talent, you know, like a basketball coach sometimes does. Yeah. You know, that's why I compare, I always compare Solskjaer to a basketball coach. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it, it really is tough how things had to just turn out this way. And, you know, today, all over you know, on Twitter, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's name has been trending since early this morning. And I, I was just refreshing and refreshing. And, you know, all these random people are, are always claiming that they have sources that say that it's been that it's been done. I'm like, until Gold.com and ESPN.com confirm, I'm not buying anything, especially Gold.com. Gold.com is, uh, is gold. basically the top source. Until they confirm, I'm not yeah. buying anything. It's merely if – now, if other major sources say, but if they say source or report, I mean, until Gold.com confirms, then I'm not buying it. No. Um, you know, I think there's only really one – like, you got Fabrizio. He doesn't put his name out there. On the line because he has such good credit now in the football world. To at least say something, or other people like um, like Jan, or people like you know uh, like uh, I forgot uh, uh, Di Maria from uh, from from Spain, the uh, who works in uh, the Spain sky over there. Um, if those people don't say anything, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I like we mentioned before. It's so difficult because the owners are are an American base, so they're five hours behind British or European time. So they're in Florida, they're in Tampa. Yeah, so it's going to be difficult. That's why I knew, and well, I knew something was happening. One, okay. So when I woke up, I usually wake up around six in the morning because of work. So I read that one. There's only three people was in Carrington today. Uh, it was Baran, McGuire, and Jones because they're still rehabbing, uh, 
from injuries. Mm -hmm. There was only a few of the physios and none of the coaches, none of the players. People said that Solskjaer was in the building later on that afternoon. I assume, so prior to Mourinho being fired or being sacked, um, they did the same thing. Pretty much, they went into a meeting. Uh, Ed Woodward went to the to the team. He went one by one by the players, certain players he trusts, and he asked them how's the locker room felt, you know. And I I I didn't hear no players coming in today, but I think what they're doing now is they're discussing to the board uh, on on Solskjaer's uh, future. And I heard it's 50-50. And I think that's why they didn't pull the trigger. I, mm -hmm. I heard that that Fergie's still backing him up. Uh, I heard certain people in, in the club are still backing him up, and the others are not. So it's interesting. The three people that's going to be, uh, besides the Glazers, uh, are going to be spearheading this. I think the, the big decision is going to be John Monahue, and Woodward and Fergie. And I think they need to all be in the same uh, in the same view on what's going to happen. And I think that's the reason what they did today. And I knew it's not going to happen today, but expect uh, if, if one, if they fail this week's uh, Champions League match, and two, if they fail against Tottenham, that's going to be the trigger. It'll be tough. I think because it hasn't happened yet, I don't think he's he's probably won't get sacked. I mean, unless they decide to do it tomorrow, which I mean, they're still talking. In my opinion, um, it would be better to sack him, not because of things of what happened lately. I mean, all of that, but at the same time, Oli is under so much pressure. Like you know, I, he's in this sort of mode where he's not sure he's doing something, but he's not sure if he's doing it right. Like. He's trying to do something because he doesn't know what can be done. Like you, you could just tell, like he's just refusing to say, he's just refusing to throw in the towel. He's trying to do something. So it would be better if he was sacked. It would be better for the players, for the team, and honestly for Oli because I always say this as a sports writer: when things go bad, it's time for a fresh start. So we can give Oli, and out of respect, we we uh, I'm sure also if they if they decide to sack him, they're gonna negotiate. You know what to pay him. You know, you know to avoid you know legal, legal action or legal arbitration or this you know court stuff. But in my opinion, it would be better if he was fired. But the question is, who would take over? Um, you know that, that that's been the we'll, we'll get to that next. Um, number one, we'll start off. Okay, Zinedine Zidane. Even though he's linked with it, no, he's not. He's not. I mean, he's. I think he's already confirmed it. He's not interested. He's already made it crystal clear. He's after the, the job of the French national team. So, yeah, Zidane is totally, like, it, it's not going to happen. No, I, I agree. I 100% agree. Unless there's a miracle that, uh, that Cristiano really sits down and calls him personally and say, hey, I think you're a guy, and Zidane kind of listens to Cristiano, I don't think. Zidane's going to change his mind. I don't think, one, he doesn't want to manage right now. Two, I think he's just buying his time for his options. One, for France. Two, if he does want to go back to professional football, he wants to make sure the club is stable. 
because I don't think he wants to go to a a project like United. Mm-hmm. United's maybe two more years away from being a a good solid club. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hundred percent. Like because Zidane made that mistake when he went when he went back to Real Madrid. And I always tell people, mm-hmm. look. It's not Zidane's fault that Real Madrid stayed bad after he came back because he was he came back to clean up a mess that he did not make. Okay, Florentino. I mean, you can't just place the blame solely on Florentino Perez, but the bottom line is it doesn't matter who's to blame. The bottom line is Zidane came in to clean up a mess that he never made, and that's not fair. And Zidane knows he's not going to make that mistake again. And you're right. Cristiano Ronaldo is certainly the guy that, that would sit down and, and try to talk to him. And then some people suggest, well, Pogba would probably do it too. Maybe Martial and and Varane because they're all, they're all Frenchmen. But I'm sure that those guys, they'll say, well, if he wants to manage the national team, we better keep our mouth shut because we want him to, we want him to, to, to take over the national team. But it might be... It, now, if Ronaldo said, why don't you take over on a temporary basis and then take the national team, then okay, fine. But I don't think Zidane would accept a temporary basis. I mean, if he did, I'd, I'd be surprised. But, but yeah, Zidane is you know we could rule him out. He already made it clear he want he 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 has no intention of taking a, a club a domestic uh, managerial position. He wants the French the, the job for France. So that being said, there's Antonio Conte, which obviously is uh, basically linked as a top runner. But there's also a guy I think we, that could take over, and that would be uh, Darren uh, Fletcher, who is currently the uh, technical director of Manchester United. I think if he if he takes over, it's gonna be on a ter- on a temporary basis. I think that would probably be a good a good thing. His name's been floated as the care- caretaker right now. Yeah. Uh, they said he is gonna be the caretaker. Uh, I think it's either him or Michael Carrick. It's gonna be one of them. It's gonna be the caretakers. Uh. And I think it's best to really have a caretaker because I don't think it's going to be fair for Conte to come in unless it has a big impact like uh, Tuchel did for Chelsea right in the middle of the season. Uh, but Chelsea was just basically a player or two away. Uh, Bendy was one of them because they needed to uh, secure that goalkeeper part uh, last year for Chelsea. So they already had pieces kind of almost there. That's why Tuchel just had to tweak things up. For Conte to do this, uh, he plays a three. I'm not sure, but he plays a three three center back role, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's going to need to find one, a true center uh, midfielder, a younger, basically a younger version of Magic, because that's basically the guy he wants. Physical, strong. Turn the ball around real quickly. Can kind of run. Matt Chick's not that no more. Maybe six years ago. Uh, yeah. Two, he's going to have to depend on McGuire to handle that. I mean, Varane has obviously the history with, with Conte. I think Shaw is a great uh, that role in the center back and maybe in the left side. But... Again, that's going to be unfair for him because he has to. He's going to have to fix those positions. So I would rather see a caretaker. If, if it is Conte, I'd rather have him have a caretaker for the rest of the year and just say, you know what, let's see how far we can go over the Champions League. Let's see how far we can get. Hopefully, we can qualify fourth place this year for Champions League next year. So Conte can come in. Hopefully, we can get some uh, some people for him. But uh, 
also heard uh, uh, another name, uh, Dutch name, Tag Yug from Ajax, um, because of, again, Van der Sar's connection with United. That's another one that uh, people say that keep an eye on, uh, because Van der Sar still has a lot of influence in United, hence Donny Van der Beek uh, signing. So, and then there, the Ajax and United has a good history uh, together. So it's another name that everybody's kind of looking at. But I think Conte, to me, is the best choice because, not because of the formation and tactics or anything, he has experience in the Premier League. I don't want another coach that want, that needs to adjust the Premier League way. Uh, adjust to where he needs to understand each club. He needs to understand the referees. I mean, the referees that's, play... That's very important, yes. Differently. Yes. Uh, and, and in Italy, it's different uh, because they, they're... They're, they're a little slower, so the refs will call more fouls. Uh, in, in the Premier League, they're faster. So the refs, let's go a lot of fouls, a lot. They'll tell the players to get up. The Premier League's been actually telling them to get up, tell them to get up and let the play go on yeah. uh, because they want more goals. They're trying to get more viewers. Uh, so I want some a guy that understood stands the league, and that's... That's Conte. You know, absolutely well said. You know, and and you basically read my mind because I feel the exact same way. It's better to have the technical director for the for the rest of the season because in Antonio Conte's case, as great of a soccer genius that he is, especially with the formations and the playstyle, knowing how smart he is, he needs we need to give him a certain amount of time so he can make his plans of how to make things uh, better. Now, of course, people say, well, Conte is smart. He can just do it on the fly. I'm like, sure, he can. But doing it like that is, is risky. You don't, you don't want somebody to rush their plan. Like, we need Conte to basically, like, if, if the plan is they tell him, yeah, we're going to hire you, but we're gonna, you're going to take over next season. And, 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 and then, say, and then they, if they tell him why, and he says that's the, the, like, like that, it would be better because, he, like you said, he can study. We can see how far we go. He's going to know exactly what needs to be done. It's like we're gonna help him. We're helping him out by ma- making him wait till next season, so, th- so that way he knows exactly what needs to be worked on. He's probably gonna tell these players, "Okay, well, you should probably sell him. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to put this guy in." And you know, Conte needs to be given a certain amount of time to figure things out. I mean, that's how the success is. Like if he does, because he he does his homework. We all know that. So we yeah. have to let him be, basically do the things how he's known to do it. Like, like do it like that. Do it the safe way. Because I mean, you know, bringing in Conte like that. I mean, I guess it would be great, but. It would be in the best interest to have a technical director for the rest of the season, so Conte can study and then be ready, be hundred percent ready, without without and, much without pressure too. Yeah, and also it gives Conte chance to one get his coaches, so he's not rushing. He can actually pick his coaches, saying, "Hey, you and you and you, we prepare for next year. United will buy out your contracts to wherever you're at." Be prepared to be here. Uh, we're going to do this, um, this kind of style. So just be prepared. Two, he gets to scout some of his own players in the club. So now, because there's a lot of questions, like is Harry really a guy who can play that that role? You know, is Pogba's going to stay? We don't know. Can uh, is Danny? Can Danny? be an asset now you know can Donnie can actually play 
you know, what's Ronaldo's view in all this? You know, he's 37? 36. 36? Yeah. So you got to think about this too now. You're like, okay, what is his role on this? What's, what is his mindset? Uh, Cavani will be gone because he only has one more year left, and Cavani already said he wants to go back to South America after this. Yeah. You know, he, he, he honored his contract. Uh, and then he said, after this, I'm going to play for Boca Juniors, uh, play out my years there. So now you're going to think, like, where do we put Basic Greenwood? Are we going to put him in, in the front with, uh, with Ronaldo? Uh, what are we going to do with, uh, with Sancho? Because the way Conte plays is going to be three, probably three, two, one, or two in the front. Uh, so it's going to be really weird for Sancho where he's going to be playing at. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play wide. He's going to play more narrow. So now you, these are the things that Conte is going to need to really evaluate. And then third, the most important is he needs to evaluate the academies. There are a lot of kids that are, was recruited by Ole Solskjaer who's almost there. Mm-hmm. There's That's Hannibal, uh, Soter. Uh, two of the young kids he bought that was supposed to be ready by next year for uh, Kundo and Amadiallo. You know, a lot of these younger kids, uh, they they bought that young kid from uh, from Madrid, the young Canyon player, uh, Alvarado Fernandez, who's a left back. Uh, he was supposed to be, he's 18, so he's going to start doing his, his tour of loans where his plans are. So these are a lot of important things that Conte is going to really need to look at and, and evaluate. That's why I agree. He should, should start next year. Yeah. You see, that, that, that's why... Uh, you know, it, it, it's, I'm not really surprised. It seems like you and I, we, we think we think alike. I like that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole problem with Donnie Vandebeek, you know, the fact that we they spent money on him and he's... I mean, he's a ghost most of the time. We don't even see him and. Now it's rumored that he's not happy. I'm like, well, you know, he's young. He's frustrated. I get it. You want to play. But, look, you know, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to play. I mean, right now Manchester United, the midfield position is crowded. Uh, I do. You know, I'm actually asking myself because in the game against Liverpool, Pogba got a straight red. So that means he's going to be sus- – I don't know if they've – I mean, I know he's obviously suspended for one game, but it, it could be increased because of uh, – well, I, I doubt they'd increase. I mean – I wouldn't say that the, the tackle was dirty. It was dangerous, obviously. Yeah, the red the red card was right, but you know, I, I mean, it's gonna be a one game. It's yeah. definitely a one game. Yeah, it's definitely one game. I mean, in the Champions League a straight red. A Champions League play a straight red means two games, but this is not the Champions League. But yeah, uh, the the problem is yeah. So, so you know, I was asking myself, does that mean we might see Donny Vanderbeek play against Tottenham? I mean, no, 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 and that's a shame because I I do want to see the guy play and. And I think Conte is going to feel like, well, well, you guys paid for this guy. Why aren't we using him? And same thing with Sancho. We got to figure out. We got, we got to figure out. They ha- he has to put him in the right places. Like we we got to use Mason Greenwood. We got to put in Marcus Rashford. We have to deploy the the young, unique talent that we have. I mean, they're worth something. We got to use it. I mean, Manchester United is a loaded team, but the problem is, it's hard to put them in the right place. I mean, I'm not saying only Gunnar Solskjaer is an idiot. He didn't use his players. Like it's difficult. I mean. It's. I mean, you know, imagine the French national team. You know how tough that is. I mean, it, it's tough when you're in a, an environment with all the talented players and the play style and the environment. It's tough. I mean, the Premier League is brutal. It is, and 
So I've discussed this with many people in Twitter. Ali's brave, but not. So he's brave enough to do things, but he's not brave enough to give unknown players the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he loves McTominay and Fred because he, they know he's safe uh, with them. He understands what they are, where they can place them. With Vanderbeek, everybody I read on on the articles, like uh, from uh, from Mitten, da, uh, from Dan Mittens, uh, from Jan, and everybody, they said he performs really well in practice. Like everybody's impressed with him. The problem is, is his position is a, a true ten, and I've said this before. I've even said it before in a podcast, it, in your podcast here last time. Where are you going to put him at? That's that's Bruno's position. Are you going to put him where Fred is at, who's technically a six or a sweeper? Are you going to put him in where Fred, who's kind of a, a pivot role, where he's running back and forth? Uh, we don't know if Donnie can defend like that. Uh, obviously, you see Pogba doesn't play as much because uh, Solskjaer can't defend on him because he can't defend. He's really... Uh, Pogba is really another attacking midfielder mm-hmm. who's occupied by, again, Bruno. So <laughs> that's your problem. See, I mean, it's not that Pogba can't defend. His play style is just not defensive. Not every midfielder has the special gift of being dominant on the attack and on the defense. Pogba is great with dribbling and passes. I mean, we see that with France. I mean, that's just the player yep. that Pogba is. The problem with Pogba, that's been the case of Manchester United. It's not that he's okay. I mean, sometimes, I mean, sometimes he's had terrible performances, so people call him overrated. He's not overrated. And sometimes he does get arrogant. I will admit that. The problem is, is that his play style and the menu system does—they don't mesh. That's the problem. And I would think, I would imagine that Conte would find a way to solve that problem because Conte would think, well, we got two best guys within Pogba and Bruno Fernandez. We got to use them. We, we got to put them as a as a dynamic duo. Or, you know, in our case, in pro wrestling terms, we got to put them like a tag team. Yep. Except there's no, tag, there's no always, tagging in and out, though. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always felt. And now everybody shitted on me on every time I said this. I like how Solskjaer put Pogba on the left side and put two only two strikers on the front. Now, everybody goes, oh, that's so stupid. Why? No, because now you're putting... Pogba in a position where he's going to be attacking. He's not staying on the left side, people. He's going to roam around. You know what? He's, gonna, he's not going to stay primarily in the left. He'll actually drift a little bit to the middle. The other striker is not really a striker. He's going to be a wing, kind of like a wing guy. There's going to be eventually only one man in the front. And that's what he was best at. That's how he gained those four assists earlier this season. Because he was, remember, he was playing on the left side. He was more in the attacking side. Bruno was actually having good positions of shooting those long-range shots because the Pablo was playing on the left side because he was drifting in the, in, the, in the middle to the right. And then you could see that creating that space because the defenders didn't know what to do because they would know, well, Bruno is here. But Pogba's over there, and then we have a striker over here. You know, what, what's the what are we going to defend? 
But after that, I don't know why Solskjaer went away from him because one or two games that didn't work and he stopped. I wish he stayed with that formation. It's like you said, he he's not the bravest guy. No. I, I, I don't, okay, I would not call Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a coward. It's He's not a coward. He's simply a guy who just cannot handle the pressure. That's it. No. But the, the problem is we can't call him a coward because we don't know what it's like to be in his shoes. So it would, no, be, it, it would be hypocritical to call him a coward or, or you know, like that. I hate, I respect Oli, but you know it's obvious the man can't handle the pressure, and he thinks he can, but we all know he can't. There's five traditional clubs in the world that are high profile, and it's difficult. There's Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, Manchester United, and then. Maybe you can throw in one more club in there. Maybe PSG now these days. Or Man City. So or Chelsea, got, maybe. Yeah, and Chelsea, maybe. Yeah, those high-pressure jobs, man, it's constantly nitpicking. You can have two or three good matches, then you get this one bad one. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers only the bad one. You know. That That's what's bothering me because, I mean, people are just shitting all over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know... We suffered two, you know, two of the of the worst losses in Manchester United history were under Solskjaer's leadership. The six to one home loss to Tottenham last last season, and, and the recent five nothing against Liverpool. Yep. You know, that's that's the you know, and I, I get laughed at. I'm like, you know, the, the problem is if everybody wants to focus so much more on the negative stuff. I mean, look, Solskjaer has you know done. A, there's a lot of great things he's done, and there's very few bad things. Okay. You know, as, as as far as the results go, I mean, I get it. We didn't win the Europa League. We didn't we, we didn't win the Europa League championship, but you know, we we made it to the final when nobody thought we would. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I mean, I mean, I don't want to shit on Manchester City, but you know, Manchester City has well over a billion dollars worth of talent and and couldn't and couldn't win the Champions League title. You know, and, and you know, and, and Manchester City has struggled. You know, and, and that's and that's been for Manchester City. That's been like that for like several years. So why is everybody shitting on Manchester United but not criticizing Manchester City for having well over a billion dollars worth of talent for like the past four or five years or so, and then and then failing to win the Champions League? I mean, yeah, well, Manchester United's got Manchester- talent, but not on the level of Manchester City. Well, Manchester Manchester City, I'm saying Manchester United, uh, they're like the Yankees. You know, you either like them or you don't. Or you don't, yeah. That's that's the fact. And that's how it is. It's never going to change. Madrid's the same way. And Barcelona's the same way. You like them or you don't. You don't. And, you know. and, and as far as Barcelona, Manchester United goes, I mean, in our case, they're kind of like our NFL teams. Used to be extremely good, but now look at them. Yeah. I mean, well, in your case, the 49ers made the Super Bowl just a few years ago. I mean... I hate to bring bring that up, but you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, my case, dude, my Cowboys haven't done anything since 1995. I mean, Manchester United, their last uh, major title win was in 2017. 2013. Well, yeah, that was their last EPL title. They yeah. won the Europa League in 2017, and their last Champions yeah. League title was in 2008. Although they did make they did make two more finals, but lost them both to Barcelona, which was yeah, which was heartbreaking. But but overall, the future of Manchester United is. It's cloudy and it is. It's very cloudy. The first, I mean, Uh, I I don't know. I mean, as far as the future changing, I mean, we won't know until like there's a decision on whether Oli is in or out. Is 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 in or out? That's it. Yeah, it is, and I think it won't happen. Like I said, 
you're going to have to wait these last two games because they don't – and another thing I read somewhere, I forgot where, on Twitter, but uh, the, the, the board, the board itself, John Moneyu, uh, Woodward, uh, the Glazer, one of the Glazer brothers, and Fergie, uh, and I forgot who else is one more person who's in the board. But they don't want to do a knee, knee, knee reaction jerk again like they did with Mourinho, where, where Mourinho got buried in that one game against Liverpool, and they right away sacked him, you know, because the pressure of people, you know, and the players. They don't want to do that. They're going to take their time. I think watch the last two games, take the temperature, if the players start to say, you know what, we love him, but he can't do it, that's when they're going to pull the trigger. And I think there's, it's it's going to be these two games. I'm guaranteeing it's going to be these two games. I mean, and speaking of these two games, I mean, the next two EPL games on the road against Tottenham and Manchester City at home. Yeah, it's and then you know what the sucky part is? It's the hardest of the the the, the month or the 10 stretch games of the year. We won't have the rest of the year is going to be tough, but it's not going to be as tough as this. And it wouldn't it would suck if he does get sacked and then let's just say Conte does take over and the hard road is kind of like almost gone. And then if Conte can get us to at least round 16, everybody be like happy. Imagine that. And then let's just stay out of the blue. Conte wins us an FA Cup. Oh, my God. It's like, you know, like it sucks for Ollie, But, you know, just imagine that happening. I mean, no matter what, Ollie's always going to be in the hearts of Manchester United fans because, I mean, I, I mean, God knows how many times I've had to remind a lot of many supporters, hey, if it wasn't for Ollie, we wouldn't have won the title in 1999. No, and and all and and Gary Neville said it best. Who would have thought that twenty, thirty years mm, that we've been we've been we've been bearing Ollie like this, you know, a club legend, yeah. you know, a play, a person who loves the club through and through, you know. But that's a tough job, man. It is, that's, and it's, it's tough. tough it's tough for us to bury Ollie. I mean. It I'm not is. gonna say we're. I mean, burying him. I I, I kind of say burying him is is deserved criticism, but like literally, like like a tirade, like something I would do on my Dallas Cowboys show. I would just say we we're, we are critical of Oli, but we're still giving him like like we're still like we're still saying like yeah he, he like this, but but Oli has done good for the team. Like, it's more, not like Mourinho. Yeah, it's not like Mourinho. yeah, it, exactly. That's the one thing right there. That, 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 that proof, that's one thing that we proved we're not burying him. Mourinho deserved burial. Did deserve to be buried. I mean, yeah. I mean, because of, yeah. because how he was just you know the formations. He, he, I mean, I get it. Mourinho shouldn't. He doesn't give a damn what anybody says. I mean, I get it. His his resume, this, the list of accomplishments speak for themselves. But look, you know what? Still, if you have a team, I mean, come on, do do things correctly. I mean, come on. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look. I don't like having to to do this to Oli, but you know, you know, in, in journalism terms, I'm just telling the truth. But at the same time, I'm trying to do it without without sound like like I'm burying him. But you know, at the end, you know, it's I'm. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I can't deny it. I I, I just can't yeah. sugarcoat it. That, that that's my thing. I, I I don't do that. And at this point, there's just no point of doing it. You you, you just gotta let it out because it's the it's it's the God's honest truth. 
And at the end of the day, I know his ego or his mentality thinks that he can still do it. But at the end of the day, I think that overall he's going to have to, if when he does get sacked, he'll sit back and relax and say, you know what, was it justified? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. and, the, you know, and the best thing for him is it sets him free and the team. Like, it gives him a fresh start. Like, he can go home. You know, he'll, he, I'm sure, like, if they sack him, they'll, they'll negotiate, yeah. you know, a, a buyout because they know that, you know, like that because to show that there's no hard feelings. Like, like yeah, yeah ex- exactly. So that the team knows that we're sacking you, but we're not going to bury you. Like, yeah. like, there's no hard feelings. Like, you, you, we're always going to respect you. And if you ever want a job, like, you know, like, they, like, like in the correspondence, like a job, like, yeah, Oli should definitely work in menu again, but... Maybe not. Maybe not as a manager. Like, or you know, if Foley gets a job elsewhere, I would say, well, he he should he definitely deserves a chance elsewhere. Actually, I'd, I'd imagine he'd probably get a job in his homeland of Norway. Uh, actually, that's yeah. what I was about to say. Uh, I heard rumors that saying that if he does get sacked, he might get the Norwegian job. Yeah, and, and imagine that he gets to coach Holland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Oli's got you know great connections, so yeah, I mean Oli's gonna be fine no matter what. Yeah. And if he get if if he gets sacked, it's good for him because he has a fresh start and he and he yep. deserves it no matter what's happened. So, so yeah, so so it might sound like I did like we did bury Oli. I wouldn't say we buried him. We just you know, and I wouldn't say I mean criticized yeah, but we didn't go into a full on traditional criticized mode. Like we didn't we didn't go on an angry like. Like like tirade like 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 I do on my show like you know how those other pundits do like we, we kind of kept it we kind of kept it cool. Yeah, yeah no, because, and, yeah. and I think that's usual. I mean, we understand. It's, yeah, it's writing in the wall. Yeah, we, it's writing on the wall, but, but that's why I said it's in the best interest in both Manchester United and Oli to leave. Like a burial would be, it's in the it's simply just in the best interest of Manchester United to fire him. Like I would not mention anything positive about Oli. That's burying him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and and I guess we can move on from this. But yeah. before we move on to this, I just want to say he cleaned up all the mess from Mourinho. Yeah. He cleaned yeah. it up. Oh yeah, and he, he, su- he and, he, and I made him suffer too because we yeah. go to the champion because we failed to qualify for the Champions League. But and well, you I don't know if you can blame Mourinho for that part, but I think I think that's just when the pressure just got, started getting too much on Oli and the, and the play and, and the players just. I think the players just couldn't get anything going. I I don't blame Oli. The, the, Oli did the formations correctly. The players just had their heads up their asses, honestly. Yeah, and then and he he reestablished the the academy. Yeah, because remember the academy wasn't being used under both uh, Louis Van Gaal, Van Gaal and Mourinho. Yeah, there you go. I mean, there another reason why there was yeah. no need to bury Oli. Just a simple yeah, thing. So yeah, yeah. So he reestablished it. Two, he reestablished a good business for a while. He brought in a lot of good players. Whatever you want to say, uh, Harry's still undesirable. I, I think he, we started saying, but man, he he brought in Aaron Basaka. I think he's still he's really good. Brian Bruno, you know, he brought in and Bruno. So two top quality players. Yeah, you know, and to me that's really good. That's good yeah. business. Yeah, and. Just to close out this part, like yeah, we were for we will forever be grateful for all these services, both as a player and as a manager. Oh yeah, definitely. So moving on, there was actually two El Clasicos this weekend. One of them was interesting. One of the, one of the other one, not so much. I mean, to be quite honest, it was pretty dull. And we're, we're, let's we'll get the stinker out of the, out of the way quick. But 
Paris Saint-Germain and Olympique de Marseille, the traditional French uh, El Classique. <laughs> you know, the embarrassing part was that, you know, Lionel Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all in the starting lineup, nothing, nothing out of it. I mean, that's just, no, no. that is completely ridiculous. It's unacceptable. I mean, it's, it's, it's repulsive and repugnant. I mean, now, 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 now that, this is where I'm in burial mode right there. I mean, now I'm going to bury the fucking team. Now I'm crossing. Say, See, now I'm crossing. No yeah, there you go. Mention his name. Like, my God. Wait, who, who's I name I didn't mention? The top of the league, but still. Yeah. yeah. Top of the league. You got three of the greatest players in the world, and you can't even score. And, and there's no goals scored. Now yes. I'm, like I said, now I'm buried. Now, the PSG does deserve burial. I mean, the, you know, they have that big win, you know, in Champions League play. <laughs> And then, and then they have to, their game against their, their long-time historic arch-nemesis, Olympique de Marseille, and they got all uh, all the muscles flexed, and they got nothing to show for it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And let's be fair and honest. PSG don't care about the league. There's only one thing they care about right now. Mm-hmm. It's the Champions League. That's what they're focused on. That's what they want. Okay, and, okay I think you're right. <laughs> but, but still, I mean, come on. If you're playing your old ne- your, your arch nemesis and yeah. you know, like that, I mean, come on. You know, still got to perform. Still got to perform. I mean, come on. You know, all that all that money that you know that, that's being made, and but you know, <laughs> you know, and, you know and, and going back to that game in the that Champions League, you know, every, everybody is always back on Mbappe again because he skied the the penalty. I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, the, the same thing with Solskjaer. You know, rather than focusing on all the good things he did, you know. Mbappe scored that beautiful goal in that play, that long play from the other goalkeeper. You know, I like to focus more on that. And, and, and you know, and as far as Mbappe goes, like, you know, yeah, he, he's he's on his way out of there anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, and some, 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 some say he's jealous of the relationship with Neymar and Messi. I'm like, I don't think he. No. Okay. I, it's, that was way before. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'm sorry, Neymar. That was way before Messi came. He was ready to go. And I think he was just ready to to start a new venture. He wanted to be in Madrid. He got his lock sided on that, you know. And it just happened that Messi came along, you know. And now it's just the fact that, hey, I'm going to show everybody that I'm better than him. You know, I'm going to prove to PSG that, hey, when when I leave, you're going to be sorry. That, he's already in that mentality. You can't blame him. You can't no. blame him. I feel like PSG stabbed him in the back. They, they had did. the opportunity to sell him for a great deal of money. They didn't fucking do it. Th- there you go. Now, th- this is where I bear PSG the most. I mean, I'm bearing him like I do my NFL team, the Cowboys. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, see, I spoke this with Zach Westrick and uh, and Joe uh, from Stoppage Time FC. And they agree. Like, I, I, I told him, yeah, PSG might not need the money. But when you have an op- money, man... Excuse me, money-making opportunity like this, and you turn it down? How stupid do you have to be? Yeah, it's still business. It's business. I mean, you see, people get the wrong idea. Like, they're businessmen, okay? The aspect of a businessman is taking opportunities that put what in their pocket? Hell, use it for your PFF, whatever they call that crap thing, you know, whatever it's called, the fair play thing. Use it as that, you know, hey, we sold this much amount, so you can't say that. We didn't sell, you know. You can I mean, use that. It's use that excuse. It is not in the nature of any businessman, especially in the oil business. But like I said, in any aspect of business, it is not in the nature of any businessman to say I have enough money. 
There's no such thing as enough money. Hey, no, they're billionaires for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and if this was a business opportunity, I mean, that was a bad business move. I mean, you know, and yeah. I've said this on the show because it, I've gotten praise for this. I'm like, Mbappe, I, I'm telling you, I'm predicting it. As soon as, as, soon as he, he's officially free from PSG, he's going to leave the grounds. He's going to hop on a plane with his dad and I would uh, with his dad and several other business people who represent him he's going to fly directly to the Spanish capital and he's going to sign that contract and furthermore oh. I've said this already I am pretty sure I am 100% sure that his dad who happens to be his agent and Mbappe they've already verbally and in principle agreed to a deal with Real Madrid they just need to wait till he's free so he can put the pen in his hand and sign it I am pretty sure the deal's already made when December 31st whatever European time it is. When that clock hits 12, officially January 1st, when the free agents can, people with contracts that's up within six months who are free to negotiate that month, that's the first thing they're going to do. Got that contract waiting. <laughs> well, I, think the con- I think the contract ends uh, next summer, but but still. But as soon, yeah, as, no, soon, as, soon as... The, the contract does end next summer, but... They can start negotiating six months oh, okay. after that ending. So generally, he can sign. He just can't leave. Okay, yeah, he just has to. He just has to finish out the season because of the yes, yeah, the correct. contract fulfillments. Yeah, even though the contract is still done, you just have to finish out that particular season. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But so that's uh, gonna be where he's. That's the funny part. He's gonna stay up to their ass. They're like, PSG's like, hey, I'm going to Madrid. And by the way, I want to show you guys off of how really good you are, am I? And how much you're going to miss me when I leave. <laughs> I mean, you know, but so I'm a huge fan of Mbappe, but, and I did admit that he, his behavior had gotten so bad. But, but you know, I, I think, you know, he, he realized it because you could tell, like, he helped France win the Nations League. And everybody's still, you know, saying about that offside. But look, at least Mbappe played in, in, in a way that, you know, his behavior was better and the way he took that penalty against Belgium, you know, after Benzema encouraged him to do it, you you can see Mbappe has made changes. But you know, like I said, if Z, I, I would tell him if Zidane takes over, bro, you better get it together because if, I think him yeah. him going to Madrid it's gonna be better too. It because is because he's gonna be under Benzema's influence, and I want him under Benzema's influence, not under Neymar's influence. Because no. you know, and before we go on to uh, the Real Madrid, the, the Spanish El Clasico. Here's the problem. When and this is my, this is merely my opinion, but a lot of people agree. When Neymar went to PSG, Neymar felt like this is you know I'm not under Messi anymore. Like I am PSG. Like he basically, I, I would imagine that Neymar was like, well, PSG is nothing without me. So Neymar's behavior got got became a bad influence. And then, you know, Neymar. Let's not make no mistake. Neymar has had many arrogant moments with PSG. And, no. And, no. Yeah, it does. Agree. Yeah, and 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 I was like, yeah, Mbappe became arrogant because Neymar's influence was bad, is bad, and I and I, I hate saying that. I mean, Neymar's a great player, no no uh, no doubt about it. But you know, some might say I'm wrong for saying it's like you, you can't deny. It. I mean, and, and Neymar has had some behavioral problems with PSG, and you know, Mbappe was succumb to it, and that's why Mbappe needs help to be under a better influence. And Benzema is the best place to go. I mean, not only that. He's under Carlo Ancelotti, so. And he's going to be playing with Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz. If he's going to stay. Uh, Luka Modric, if he's going to stay. So you got two veterans who's been in the game for many years, if they're going to stay. 
for many. Uh, he could soak that up, and then he get players like, you know, Vinny Jr., who's kind of the same as age. Rodrigo, you know, get Rodrigo, Rodrigo, so and uh... they, Alaba. Alaba is mm-hmm. kind of their age, but Alaba seems like he's more mature than those guys. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he gets that maturity with him. So there's guys going to be there who's going to be mature enough. To kind of handle him. I mean, he's going to be under Carlo Ancelotti, and we know, and we know yeah. Carlo Ancelotti pretty freaking well. Ancelotti yeah. is one of those dudes. If you act stupid, I mean, that dude's got. Yeah, he's not going to take that. He's not going to ignore no. that. I mean, there's a reason. Why, I mean, I mean, in my opinion, I always say Carlo Ancelotti is is the dawn of Italian soccer. I mean, yeah, definitely of Italian soccer. I mean, I'll never forget how he won the the Champions League in 2003 against Juventus. You know, in that penalty shootout, I'll never forget that. And Juventus was heavily favored, and AC Milan just, you know, humiliated them. But, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, Carlo Ancelotti, I, I guess I call him the Don. It's not only because of his unique soccer knowledge, but he, he just has a swagger. Well, that and he understands his players. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've spoken this also in the group, in the Facebook group. Like, the first two games I was watching Madrid this year, and I said the same thing. I was like, my God, Vinny Jr. looks different this year. He looks more free. Mm-hmm. If you remember that Carlos can do those things, like James Rodriguez, Hamas, when he was under him, he felt more free. He was playing better. You know, he can tap in those kind of players. He's letting Vinny play Vinny style. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever you're doing, bro, just keep doing it. But keeping your line... Keeping the same thing, but man, he looks different, and I think he's he's and Rodrigo, uh, Rodrigo too. He's playing really well with Madrid. Yeah, yeah you know, it's something much similar to Zidane. I mean, uh, Zidane did let the players freely. It's just, uh, it's just that both the players and Zidane were just under the pressure from the, you know, from from, from the Madrid front office. I think so. They were all in it together. I mean, uh, there was never a time where the players did not trust Zidane. I mean. Zidane is, is a guy that they looked up to, you and Ancelotti is the same way. But you know, Ancelotti, you know, lets the players do it their thing, and and I think Ancelotti and Zidane they work to they, they work with their players. That that's why you know that's why Zidane won three titles in a row. He works with the players. He built the formations. He would with his players, and, and it's never been proven. But he Zidane. I mean, there's nothing wrong with asking your players, "Does this work for you guys? Are you guys comfortable with this?" It's a team effort. I mean. I mean, there's it nothing is. wrong with asking your players to help you build a formation because you guys are all in this. It's teamwork. No, and yeah. and, and they they're the one in the pitch on the pitch. Yeah. So they understand they understand more. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, but now going to the <laughs> El Clasico. <coughs> excuse me. You know, I and, and I said this uh, when I recapped the the, uh, the Champions League match day three. I said I do not care how terrible Barcelona is. The state of their of the team, they're not going to let Los Blancos stroll into their turf and then just wreak havoc on them just like that. Technically, Real Madrid did, but, you know, the, the scoreboard kind of tells a different story. I mean, like, I didn't think Madrid was, was going to win, like, 5-0. to zero. No. And, you know, was, everybody said it was kind of boring. I did. I, I found it very fascinating because I guess I was looking at the – on the side of Barcelona – not much of Madrid, because I know Madrid was good and established. I know that Coleman was going to put a lot of the younger kids in there, and he did. And I was very fascinated on how well they worked, even though they didn't 
finding the results. If you watch the game itself, on itself, like you watch the game or the game, like if you saw, I know the stats didn't show. Gavi, Gavi didn't, uh, didn't have the greatest game, but you see him getting confidence. Um, you see, uh, and so Fatih, man, that, that good pass, that the bypass to Fatih to Sergio Des, the one he missed, that was such a good pass from Fatih. Yeah. Because he had to, that's a split second touch that he had to redirect. That is really damn good. That's really athletic. And you see those little things, you know. Um, you know, Frankie De Jong is starting to look good now. He's starting to look like he's getting comfortable uh, in that system of, of Coleman. And I think that if he weathers the system, I mean, the season, I think Coleman can actually do something next year once everybody kind of calms down or relaxes about the messy issue. You know what I'm saying? Because he had to, yeah. took the brunt of that. Barcelona can kind of pick up their mojo again. Like, it'll probably be a year or two before Barcelona can make a, a huge transfer because of the, the financial issues. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, they got to forget about Messi. Okay, use the young players. And, you know, and what you just said is, is 100% spot on. You know, I mean, you know, when I think of Gavi, I'm like, sometimes I just ask myself, are we sure this dude is 17 years old? Because he doesn't play like he's 17. I didn't know his age until that day. He, he, he's seven, he is 17 years old. And he played in the Nations League final against France. I mean, you know, the future of Spain. You know, Spain, you know, we all know Spain's always been dominant on the midfield position, much like France. You know, people ask, like, you know, some people say France has always been overall better or Spain is like, I don't think France or Spain are better than each other as far as the midfield goes. They both play the midfielder in the midfield position. They set them up in their own unique and dominant way. Like, it's hard to tell exactly what's different, but there's just that difference there. You can see it, but it's just unexplainable. But that that's what makes it unique. But, you know, and Gavi starting in a, in a final? I mean, if everybody says the Nations League is worthless, like, look, if this is about a title, if there's a title on the line, it's not worthless. So no. you, have, you have a 17-year-old kid in a final, you know, against one of the best, you know, other national teams in the world, France, okay? And, and, he, and he plays great. I mean, Gavi was, you know... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you when I saw him playing against Pogba, you know, you, you could just tell that you know he and Pogba were just like really like you know having all that respect for each other. And Pogba, you know, told him after the game, you know, keep it up, you know, you're dominant, you know, there's that respect. I mean, Gavi just has a future. I mean, Gavi could, could be the the Zidane of Spain for all like for all I know. I mean, he could be. Yeah. He could. I mean, I don't want to disrespect the likes. I don't want to disrespect uh, Andreas Iniesta, but Gavi could be the. Has the potential of possibly being the greatest Spanish midfielder of all time. He he has that potential. Like I said, his numbers didn't reflect it. You know that that game. And my God, he's going against Cruz and Madrid. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a seventeen-year-old kid going against yeah. going against like veterans who who, who started playing when who, who were playing at the professional level when this kid was a baby. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not a fair assessment. Yeah, but it was a good assessment. You know what I'm saying? So. I think he had only like 15 good passes or something like positive five, whatever it was. Uh, but overall, he, he, he stood up his ground. He, he, he got a couple of the physical touches from, from, from the midfield. He, he looked good. He really did. Uh, and like I said, if they can develop him, they can, and that's a flat team, man. He's, I'm so like, like, Man, it's like this kid can do 
many things. See, there's a reason why they get – it wasn't the club who gave them that tension. It was the players who gave them that tension. Oh, they yeah. said, you can be the next guy, and he can. He he's gets stronger as he goes on physically. I'm talking about physical, physical stature. And he'll get stronger. He'll he, he can take those physical bumps in the boxes, him while dribbling. But kid's so fast. Kid got a good touch. He's going to be a key for Barcelona. If they can keep him with Gavi, and then we still haven't talked about you know, how they can develop more players in their system if they just stay patient, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Barcelona still has their youth, and unfortunately, one of the painful moments from this game, you know, in our case, because of supporting the, the U.S. Uh, men's national team was, you know, from I didn't, I didn't see the game. I actually have to go back and see the highlights, but Serginio Dest, from what I'm told, I think you posted this on the group that Sergino De- 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 had the had like a remarkable chance to score, but he unfortunately just could not get it. I think it's just the fact that he's not a, not experienced enough at that the front. I was surprised when I saw the lineup. So they went with the three back system, him playing more like not the wing back, but more actually to the front, like he was actually a forward. You know, so that's what I was really surprised about. And I think he's not used to that position where, uh, you know, and, and they were talking about it in the, in the, in the analyst. They said if he was just a little like a hair patient, he could have stepped into the shot and just kind of tapped it in. You know, but I think he panicked a little bit. He's not used to that. You know, he I don't think he even plays that United States uh, team, you know, so he's not used to that. Position. If Pedri, uh, if Pedri was was healthy, he'll probably have been in that position. Probably, you know? yeah. But Serginho, like, nothing to be ashamed. Like you know, it's a mistake. You know, he's twenty years yeah. old. You know, you know, he'll be he'll be fine. But you know, you know what's really funny is that you know both Barcelona and Real Madrid use the exact same formation: four defenders, three midfielders, and three forwards. You know. I'm not really a fan of you know when both clubs use the use the same formation, but you know it was good to see Ferlan Mendy back in the back in the the defense for uh, for Real Madrid, and it's definitely good to have it was to have Cruz and Modric. You know you have Cruz on the left, Modric on the on the right with Casemiro in the middle. Uh, the only sad part for me was um, well you know what back, okay, I mean first thing I noticed that Eden Hazard didn't even play, never even came in, and. <laughs> I was actually kind of sad that Eduardo Camavinga didn't get to play. I, I, I guess they just decided, well, I, 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 my guess was maybe Carlo Ancelotti said, look, you know, we're going to have Modric out there and Cruz out there. Sit down and pay attention and learn something. I I, I think that's probably why Camavinga didn't well, that's, play. Well, that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's he's okay. Yeah. He's 18 years old. Yeah. Let him play some of the, the matches, get him into it, you know. Uh, he's still got a long way. And like I said, you don't even know if Cruz is going to be staying there this next year. Uh, I don't think he signed his extension, uh, so you don't know. He, he might leave, and then you know this is just a good way for come. Come on, Vega is going to be the future. Oh yeah, uh, future so, of Real Madrid and the future of France. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, I think both clubs, as much as we 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 really buried Barcelona this year because of the Messi situation, the financial. Situation Laporta, Laporta. Remember, Laporta did not come into the club late till after that 
Super League fiasco. And by the way, they're still trying to push that Super League, both Barcelona and Madrid. <laughs> so uh, they're still on that. Uh, anyways, Laporta came in there late. The uh, pie and 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 the others wasn't really his signings, uh, but the pie looked like it's working out. Sergio Aguero made a goal. He yeah. made an appearance. So <laughs> yeah, he did. So, you know, let's go see what he does in January. If if they can maybe buy one player, just not a big one. I'm talking about just to kind of fill in more. And then let's just – if Coleman can weather out this, like I said before, a while ago, if he can weather this storm and if Laporta is smart, he will keep him because it looks like he's finding his way now. He's finding his footing. And Barcelona can be back at it maybe in a year or two. Um, Madrid's more farther out because obviously when Mbappe comes in, they're just going to be another step higher than Barcelona, especially if, uh, if Madrid can figure out what to do with the back four or back three. Uh, where's the best place for Alaba to, to play? Is it going to be, you know, center back? It's going to be the, the half back position where, you know, wherever they can figure out where he's going to play, I think it's going to be very crucial to see who's the next person who could take over Ramos's spot. You yeah. know, and Melito's there. I know Melito's there, but I think somebody needs to really take that spot like Ramos did, you know, be that anchor. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, and last thing, a couple of things I want to say, you know, of Barcelona, you know, my case, you know, the, the French national team, Samuel T actually, he, he didn't start, but he was actually on the bench. Like, I've, I'm like, for the longest time, I've like, yeah, I haven't even seen his name like on the freaking game card. I was like, wow, you know, yeah, um, TD, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's had, pro- I think he suffered a major knee injury. I mean, I know he's had health problems ever since 2018. Um, well, I know Barcelona was trying to force him to to take a patent and just leave. Yeah, and he refused. He, well, he refused. They, they are well. They didn't try to force. No, from what I'm, yes, there's actually a story from ESPN from seven days ago. They offered to let him go for free if he wanted, but he told them that he wants to honor his contract. So, and that I respect. But you know, at this point, like if 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 they if they can sell him to a place where he can play, then I'm all for it. Same thing with with Usman Dembele. But the problem is, I mean, these guys just can't stay healthy. And I think that's why Dembele. I I think uh, he he I think he he should have left last year. One, he should have left last year. He should have took the offer of whatever club was trying to get him last year. Two, now he's not going to get playing time because you got Depay, you got Frankie yeah. Dion, and now Ansofati is back healthy and looks like he is the guy. Those are going to be yeah. your three front guys. And uh, Dembele's just going to be just going to waste away if he doesn't stay healthy. Is Dembele still hurt at the moment? Uh, I think not. I thought last time I thought that he was actually healthy. Well, Gold.com four hours ago sent out a, a, a story that Newcastle is apparently interested in Dembele. And and that and, uh, and I think he should he should should take any offer and just leave. Personally. Yeah, go to a place where he can play, and he if he goes to a place where he plays, he plays good. 
he's going to find himself on the French national team again. I mean, the dude's still, he's like 24, I think now. Dembele can still save his career. I mean, Dembele and, is a good, is a good, good, good goal scorer. Excuse me. And Demp still picks him sometimes for, for the national team. Sometimes, you know? yeah. He, yeah, because he, was, he, he was on the Europe. He was on the European uh, team, but uh, I think yeah. he got. Yeah, he he suffered a knee injury, I think, and then he was sent mm-hmm. home. But it, it shows you that he still got that talent because yeah. even though not having playing time, you still get selected to your national team. So that shows you he has potential. Yeah. It's just the fact that he can't get playing time because, you know, sometimes it is what it is. You're injured. You're injury prone. Other players that steps up. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Rod, thank you so very, very much for coming back on, and I look forward to having you back on again. Anytime, anytime. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.